Amen. At uh, 5.54, I said, hey, we need a special for the sermon tonight. Uh, Monty, you care to sing this song? He said, well, sure. So, but uh, just so you know, if, uh, if God has given you the uh, uh, gift to sing and you would like to sing a special, uh, you just see that guy right over there. And uh, we'd love for you to do that. And if you don't have the gift of singing and you would like to do it anyway, we'll worship right along with you. And uh, we want you to make a joyful noise for the Lord. And so if you have your Bibles tonight, find with me the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. As I was going through my notes trying to figure out where we had stopped in the book of Matthew, I thought, oh, I, I know we're in chapter 7. We have, we've skipped these really, really hard topics, and then I realized, no, uh, we are in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 27. And tonight I want to start this by stating that it's so interesting how we can talk about most things, right, as long as it doesn't affect us, as long as it's not something from my past or my family's past or something that has hurt me, uh, most of us do okay, right? We can talk about the problems and heartaches of this world. We just don't want them to hit very close to home. But when you start talking about things like marriage and you start talking about things like the sanctity of marriage and you start talking about the, the, the whole issues of that, it causes a great un comfortableness, and I don't even know if that's a word or not, um, because um, our lives are, have all been touched by it, uh, whether it was us or someone we love or we've went through it with someone else. And, and so it's this very emotional, it's a very raw topic, but that should not keep us from recognizing how God forgives and works in the most broken moments of our lives. And if you're here today and tonight, and God has been with you through the difficult moments of your life, no matter what they were, those are not moments that we hide or are embarrassed about. We are to give God the glory and the credit that he carried us through those times, that he, that he was with us in the valley, that, that he walked with us, and that he was always present. And so tonight as we, we, we jump into this very, very complex issue, I want to start by saying, if you came tonight to get all of the answers that have baffled pastors and church leaders for 2,000 years, you will not get them tonight. Uh, I have just as many questions and, and thoughts and, and, and confusion as you do. And so tonight my hope is that we will go through this and all come out recognizing how God loves us, cares about us, but yet has an extremely high standard when it comes to the sanctity and specialness of marriage. And so if you would stand with me tonight out of a reverence to the reading of the word of the Lord, and we're going to start in verses 27 and read through verse 32. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman 
to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Pray with me. Father, tonight you know my inadequacies, you know my um, shortcomings. And Lord, I just pray tonight that you would help me to speak to this topic, Lord, that affects each and every one of us. Lord, those of us that are married, those of us who have watched marriages um, struggle around us, for those who grew up in homes that were affected by this, Lord, that you would first convict and work in our lives if there is anything in them that shouldn't be there. Lord, I pray that you would remind us that just because we have experienced brokenness, that you can restore what is broken. So, Father, tonight I ask for wisdom and clarity and the carefulness of speech, Lord, like you've never given me before. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you're taking notes tonight, and I hope that you will... Uh, tonight, I want to talk to you and start on this topic of sin begins in the heart. Sin begins in the heart. You see, at this time, there were two groups of people who had this opinion. One was this extreme on this side, that if a husband didn't like anything about his wife, didn't like the way she cooked, didn't like the way she wore her hair, didn't like how she kept the house. That was a reason to give a certificate of divorce. On the other end of the spectrum, there were those who said there is never a time that you can give a certificate of a divorce. And so both of these sides do what people do when they have an agenda. They try to get Jesus to support their opinion. And if you've dealt with people at any length of time, everybody has always usually got an angle, right? I want you to agree with me, not them. I don't know how many times I've been in, in situations where a husband and a wife or two friends will, will be disagreeing about it, and they'll be like, Pastor, what do you think? What I think is I've learned long ago, don't get involved in certain family squabbles. Because families usually get back together and guess who they're mad at? You, <laughs> I didn't learn that for about six and a half years, but now I finally learned it. And so that's how it was here. So they are trying to get Jesus to make this statement. But as Jesus and Jesus only can do, he knew the heart behind their question. And today I want you to hear this, that if you are willing to come to God honestly and open about the most challenging issues in your life or in the scriptures, God will answer you. He'll answer you openly and honestly. But if you and I come to the scriptures with our minds already made up, guess what we're going to leave getting from the scriptures? Exactly what we wanted to get from them. And so it just starts right off here and says, You have heard that it is said of old, 
you shall not commit adultery. He's referencing back to the Ten Commandments. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so Jesus says it's not just the outward act. It starts in the heart. It starts with this identity of lusting after someone. Meyer's commentary describes it like this. That in this text, woman is general. In the sense that it could be married or unmarried. But yet the male in this is signified of a married man. And so what it says here is, if one party is married, it doesn't matter if the other party is married or unmarried, it is still considered adultery. Because there were some in this Jewish time and, and day and said, well, we remember the Old Testament, right? Abraham was, at, was able to have more than one as long as they weren't married. Or how about the other patriarchs? As long as they found someone that wasn't already married, it was okay for them to have multiple lives, wives. And what Jesus says is, no, doesn't matter if they are married or unmarried, you should be with the one that God has given you. And so think about that tonight as we, we read the Old Testament, because that's what you hear from people who mock the scriptures, right? Oh, God was a loving God. Look how women were treated, right? Married one guy and he married someone else and married someone else. And, and if you read Solomon and what he did, all I can tell about the patriarchs and the early church fathers were they weren't very smart. I mean, I'm thankful for the one I got, but I don't want another one. Especially at the same time with multiple ones. I mean, that just sounds like a, a disaster waiting to happen. But yet you think about Jacob, and you think about Solomon, and you think about David, and you think about the entire Old Testament. And I want you to think about this not in the sense of a guiltiness, but a brokenness. How much of the Old Testament destruction could have been avoided if this would have been applied? Think about the brokenness that could have been avoided. And that's what tonight I hope that you will hear. God is in the business of working and moving in our lives. And when God gives us instructions that we should be teaching our children and our grandchildren, we ought to be teaching the young families in this church that marriage is a special and sacred thing. That when you said death deal you part, that's what it meant. That, that it's, a, it's a sacred thing, that it's a special thing. And just because we all have things in our past that we don't want to talk about should never lead us to a point where we're not going to tell the next generation because we have failed. In the areas of your life that you have failed, whether it is in sexual sin or drunkenness or dishonesty in business, whatever it is, you and I should be the most vocal warning the next generation. Why is that? Because I know the consequences. I know the consequences of what my sin that I struggle with has in my life. I know how the sin that I struggle with affects my children. How the sins that I struggle with affects you. And if I love God and want my children to avoid the struggles that I have, I'm going to do one thing and I'm going to do one thing often. I'm going to warn them. I'm going to warn them, be careful 
who you hang around with when you get your license. Be careful who you surround yourself because bad company corrupts. And if you will avoid a great amount of heartache, if you'll surround yourself with people who love God and love the things of God and will hold you accountable, your sin might be something totally different. Maybe you struggle with alcoholism. Maybe you uh, struggle with uh, greed. Or maybe you struggle with lust. Whatever it is, there's probably some details you shouldn't pass on to your children. But friends, you ought to warn them out of a brokenness. Out of a desire to see them avoid the heartache that we have went through. Here in verse 28 it says, to lust after and this word in the original language is more than just a glance. It's a yearning. And so it's this idea that everyone, when they see someone that is, was attractive, is, oh, that's a pretty individual. Don't worry, no one has ever said that about me. That's my joke with my wife. I can't lose weight because being this good looking, it wouldn't be fair. And she's like, trust me, Jake, it's not an issue. You can lose all the weight you want. But that's not what it's talking about. Recognizing that someone is an attractive person is not the intent here. He's saying that when that first look turns into a desire, and that desire is something that you don't repent from, it's something that continues to grow, it's something that continues to lead you and guide you, and this impulse of the moment turns into something that you want, that you long for. And so the Bible tells us the a tenth commandment is what? Thou shalt not. Does no one know the tenth commandment? I'm just waiting. Huh? Thou shalt not what? No. Thou shalt not. So can someone find the ten commandments and tell me what the tenth one is? I can't hear anything. And I, Thou shalt not covet. Well, I can't hear you. you Got to say it loud. And so we're not talking about coveting because that's already against the scriptures. Adultery is different than coveting someone's wife for that. It is a desire that comes out of the heart. And so tonight I want to challenge you that if you are going to serve God, if you are going to avoid these things, it starts in the heart. Psalms 51 verse 10 describes it like this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Every day I need to be praying, Lord, create a clean heart in me. A heart that desires my wife, my husband, that relationship above all. Proverbs 4, verse 23, describes it like this. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You see, when your heart is not where God wants it to be, you will be led astray by things to satisfy the desires of your heart. You see, every sin that you and I struggle with starts right there. It starts in the heart. And what the word of God says is, if we're going to avoid being led astray, we have to have a heart that is first and foremost in love with Jesus Christ. I don't know if, if you've ever tried to love someone before you were saved and after you were saved. It's a whole different thing. 
It's just a whole different thing. Because why? Until you know what love really is, it is impossible to really love someone. And what we see here is when there's a problem in our love for our significant others, it is because there is first a problem in our love for the Lord. Second thing I want to show you tonight is be on guard in every situation. Be on guard in every situation. Look what it says here in verse 29 and verse 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. I'm going to say this as a disclaimer, but I really hope that you already know this, that Jesus is not teaching self-mutilation here. It's this idea of speaking to what these individuals understand. How many of them are right eye dominant? How many is right eye is your good eye, your better eye, right? So most people, that is the case. How many of you are left-handed in here? A few. How many of you are right-handed? So now you start to see the significance of the right eye and the right hand. In that day and age, if you were a carpenter, if you were a tradesman, if you were doing something that had to to be straight, that had to be detailed, that had to be done well, you're going to look at it with what? Your dominant eye. And if most people are right eye dominant, he is saying that if you take this out, it is going to affect your ability to do what you can do. But it is better to affect your ability of what you should do than to be led to destruction. But even if you lose your good eye and you still got both hands, what can you probably do? Fake it till you make it. But the punishment gets more severe here. It starts with the eye, and then he says, the right hand. Now, just think about this. If you get your right eye gone and your right hand gone, you're going to be pretty much what? Useless to do the job that you were called to do. He is teaching them in a society that you need your hands to work and your eyes to work, that it would completely cripple you from earthly profit. But it is better to lose all earthly profit than to be led astray in this life. That's a significant statement there. It is better to be financially ruined, career ruined, the things of this world gone, than to be off guard and to be led astray by the sin in your life and in mine. Jesus talks about it in the book of Mark, chapter 8, starting in verse 36. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. There is no job worth putting your marriage at risk. There's no relationship worth putting your marriage at risk. 
There's no hobby worth putting your marriage at risk. And what he's saying is, anything in your life, anything that could be used to take the desires of your heart and to lead you astray, flee from it. Flee from it. There is nothing on this earth that is worth you and I bringing destruction and pain and sin into our lives and the lives of those who love us the most. And so as a father, it is my job. It's not, it's not Joe Biden's job. It's not, it's not Big J.B. Pritzker. It's, it's not the schools. It is my job as a father to teach my children some basic truth. And that is one, this. They were created in the image of God. That's all right. Two of you agree. That's okay. Second of all, God has a purpose and a plan for their life. Okay, we're getting better here. We're, we're picking up steam. Third, God gave them one special thing that they are to save for one special person, and it is to be done in the confines of marriage ordained by God and approved by the state. That's all right. We're going to get there at some point. You say, Jake, that's just not something you could teach. It's not something you've lived. It's not something the generation before you lived. It's about time somebody stands up and say, we didn't do it right. The heartache is there, but we want you to. We want you to know what it's like to walk down the aisle on your wedding day and know that there is something that you can do with that individual that no one else has ever done and no one else will ever do. It's special. It's ordained by God. You say, Jake, I can't believe you're saying that. I can't believe we don't say it. I tell you what, if I knew what it meant to have daughters now, I'd have treated other people's daughters a whole lot different. And it breaks my heart. And it makes me realize that 40 years doesn't seem like going to prison for too long if necessary for one of my girls. If someone does something wrong. I don't want to go to jail. I'm not good looking out of jail, but I'd be good looking in jail, okay? But when I think about the things that can be done to one of my precious daughters, it gets to that point where you think, what would I do? And friends, I want you to know something. The only way our young men and our young women are going to realize that God has gave them something special is if we tell them. That's all right. One person, amen. I appreciate it. If you won't tell them, just bring them in here and I'll yell it at them. Because friends, it is something you can never get back once it is gone. It is something that you can never change once it is gone. And friends, God created a relationship with one man and one woman to be a courtship of respect and dignity and honesty Impurity. It is to then lead to a ceremony that honors God. There's a reason I do very few weddings. It's not because I don't like weddings. It's not because I don't like brides. It's not because I don't like grooms. That's not it at all. Because a wedding is supposed to do one thing first and first above all. And that's to honor God. And there ain't no use parading down an aisle if it don't honor God. 
And so it's important that we tell people that marriage is sacred, that marriage is special, that marriage is pure, that marriage is holy, and that it is a picture of Jesus loving His church. And there is a reason that Satan is after marriage. Because if the world doesn't understand what marriage represents, then they don't understand truly how Jesus can love His church. And so tonight I want to challenge you to lead by example. If you've not always done it God's way in the past, commit today that I'm going to be that example for my children, for my wife, for my community, for my grandchildren. Because what does it profit if our children gain the whole world and lose their very soul? The third and final point tonight is God understands the messiness. God understands the messiness. There has probably been more debate and more disagreement over this simple two verses than almost any passage of Scripture in the entire Bible. Furthermore, in verse 31, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. All I can tell you is what I can find in the scriptures. And the reason is this. If you can reconcile, you should always reconcile. That's all right. I got one amen. Still right whether or not you agree it. If you can forgive and reconcile, the Bible teaches us to forgive and reconcile. But it gives this provision for if you have been the victim of adultery. If your spouse has committed the adultery on you and you cannot forgive, you cannot reconcile, you cannot, you just cannot. In that case, the Bible says that you are free to receive a certificate of divorce. In that situation, it doesn't say anything about the one who has committed the adultery. It doesn't say anything about what the one who has committed adultery does going forward. And so I can't speak to that. But what I can say is, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that if an unbeliever leaves a marriage, Paul says to what? Let them go. They are no longer bound by that. And what I believe is this, and you can disagree with me, you can argue with me, you can fire me, doesn't really make a difference to me. And this is the reason why. I believe that God can save anyone. And if a spouse does something like this, falls into sin, and my first desire is to leave and find someone else, what happens if God changes them? What happens if God saves them? What, have, what happens if God breaks them and they recognize, I have sinned, I have sinned against God, I have sinned against, I have sinned against my family, and I want to make this right. God can do that. You know how I know he, he can do that? I've seen him do it. 
I've seen him do it over and over again. Does it always happen? Absolutely not. But you and I ought to give him a chance to work in someone's life, to work in your life. That marriage might not ever come back together. It might not be a reconciliation in the sense of that. But friends, you can reconcile enough to raise your children. You can recognize enough to show a lost and dying world that, hey, this was a bad deal. It broke my heart. It it, it ruined my life for a season. But no matter how low I was, God never left me. And for you who are on the other end of that spectrum, you can say no matter how much I messed up, no matter how much I fail, no matter how much I ran from God, He never gave up on me. And He was willing to forgive me when I asked. You see, tonight I want to leave you with this challenge. No matter how sinful you think you are, no matter how sinful you really are, no matter how much you've messed up, whether it was premarital relations years ago, unfaithfulness now, what's going on in your life today, the great hope is not the brokenness, but it's the God who can give hope to the broken. And that's the message we need to a lost and dying world. Not that it's okay to shack up together. Not that it's okay to run around on your spouse. Not that it's okay to be in a same-sex relationship. Not that it's okay to be addicted to pornography. It's not okay. It's sinful, it's wicked, and it's wrong. But God says if you'll repent, He'll forgive. And God says if you'll repent, He'll restore. Tonight, no matter what brokenness, baggage, sin you are carrying with you tonight, no matter the guilt, no matter the shame, no matter the pain, if you'll bring it to Him, He'll take it from you. And friends, what the world has is no hope. The world has no hope for forgiveness. The world has no hope for reconciliation. The world has no hope to repair the brokenness of their mistakes and failures. But we serve a God who said that He came to be not only our propitiation, but the propitiation of the sins of the world. And so it don't matter where you've been, what you've done. Tonight, you might be sitting here going, Jake, you, you don't understand what it was like to be a child in a home that went through a divorce. You're right, I don't. But God does. Jake, you, you don't understand what it was like for me to go through a relationship where my spouse was unfaithful. You're right, I don't. But God does. You say, Jake, you don't know what it's like to carry the guilt of the mistakes that I've made in my own marriage. I've made plenty of them. But maybe I don't. But God does. And the message tonight is the only reason you are hopeless tonight is because you won't come to Jesus. That's it. There's not a sin he can't forgive. There is not a broken relationship that he cannot give some semblance of what is right. You say, Jake, the damage is already done. They'll never forgive me. They'll never forget about it. The wonderful thing about God is he can soften any heart. I guess I was sitting down and didn't hear it. God can soften 
any heart. That means your or your ex's. That means yours or the broken relationship in your past. Don't hide it. Don't ignore it. Don't explain it away. The Bible says if you will confess, he'll forgive. And tonight what you need, what your children needs, what this community needs is not perfect people. It is a group of people who says, we have sinned, we have fallen short of the glory of God. But thankful the scriptures teach us that if you will call upon the name of the Lord, he will save you. No matter where you've been, what you've done, it's the hope that we have. And so tonight I want you to hear it straight from the scriptures. Tonight if there's anything in your life, any love or lust or desire that's not directed to your wife, you need to repent. Tonight if there's anything in your life that's leading you away from that love in your marriage that God has given you, remove it. And tonight, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done, what the divorce and baggage that you have in your life in the past, tonight, if you'll ask for forgiveness for it, God can make the marriage that you're in today, now, something that honors Him. I do not believe that divorce is perpetual. That means that every day you're remarried, that it's a different sin. I don't believe that. I believe that when you ask forgiveness for a sin, that God does what? He forgives you. And so if it was a sin one time, and you ask for forgiveness one time, God does what? He forgives. And so the command today is love your husband or wife with all that you have. Honor him, treasure her, love them, and use it to glorify God and I believe if you'll do that, he will. And so tonight, I don't, I don't know how uncomfortable you are, but trust me, I'm a whole lot more uncomfortable than you are standing up here in front of all of you. But tonight, I believe our churches are so scared to talk about it that we failed a whole generation. We failed them. And I want my kids to hear it. I want my kids to know that you can do it the wrong way or you can do it the right way. And doing it the right way is so much sweeter. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much tonight for your forgiveness. Lord, no matter what sin we struggle with, no matter what brokenness we struggle with, God, I am thankful that you forgive us immediately when we ask. The Lord, that you throw it as far as the east is from the west. Lord, as high as the stars are from the ground. But Lord, tonight I do pray that you'd convict this place. Lord, if there's anything in our marriages, in our lives, on our phones, on our televisions, that shouldn't be there. Lord, that we would repent tonight and get right with you. Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness as a church to continue to preach and to teach and to live the sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of the purity that you have given and established in it, no matter the cost. Father, I pray that you'd help us that for those who are struggling with the guilt and the shame of their past, that tonight you would set them free through forgiveness. And Lord, never let us hide our sin to the destruction of the next generation. Father, tonight I pray for that individual that's here that doesn't know you, that's never understood how they can be forgiven and restored and made right. 
that tonight would be that night. Lord, I pray for the Christian in this room that has got so much hidden baggage and hurt and pain that, Lord, they just they can't move forward. Lord, I pray tonight the husbands and wives would come and pray together that, that they would love each other, that they would love each other, that they would love each other and honor you. And I pray, Lord, tonight that our marriages and that our families are never the same going forward. And I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We just would like to thank you for watching today's sermon. And we pray that it has been a blessing and an encouragement in your walk with Jesus Christ. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.